two places. I want you to turn to Deuteronomy 18. We're going to continue our study in Deuteronomy. I'm grateful for Kelly Knaus filling the pulpit last week. I had the flu and uh, hated to miss, but you did not want me here and uh, the way I felt and uh, keep you guys from getting it. But we're going to resume our study in Deuteronomy. And I hear there are rumors. I think they're just rumors that he got you out of here by 1025. Well, it ain't happening again. So I'm just telling you, it ain't happening again. I've rebuked him for that as well. So uh, he won't be filling the pulpit ever again here. No, just kidding. Setting me up for failure, he is. He is. So uh, no, I'm going to get you out of here as quickly as I can. But uh, Deuteronomy 18, but I also want you to turn to Psalm 19. We're going to do things a little differently this morning. And uh, as you're turning to Psalm 19, if you're a parent, you've, you've, I'm sure you've found yourself, if you're a, if you're a parent, you found yourself in that, in that awkward or uh, frustrating, all kinds of emotions come with it, predicament when your child has gone to daddy or mommy, asked them a question, they were given a clear answer, however they did not like the answer, and so guess where they go? To the other parent. Who in, here, who in here has kids that have done that? Maybe it's just me. You've all done that. Yeah. The child goes to you. I have a, I have a, a spouse that does that. They'll go to me and ask. No, just Karen, don't do that. I'm just kidding. We, we've, we've done that where we're, you, you give your child, your son or your daughter, an answer. They don't like it. And so they go somewhere else for another answer. Th- think about that. How, do, how does that make you feel as a parent? How, how does that make you, you feel as a provider? As, as, uh, does your child trust you? Do they not? Do, what, what are they looking for? That, that is essentially what we see here in, in, in some degrees in, in Deuteronomy 18. And, and there's a lot here in this passage, and, and yet I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really hit on mainly uh, a few verses out of the entire chapter. But, but do we trust God and His Word? Do we trust the word that he's given us? Do we trust him enough that we won't feel the need to look elsewhere? Where God has spoken, do we believe it? Where God has remained silent, will we simply trust him that that silence is okay? Or will we go seek out answers on our own? Will we essentially be like our child who goes to mommy or daddy, gets an answer, doesn't like the answer, and so they go elsewhere? Will, will we be that kind of people? I, I, I want to approach to God, the Word today with, with that in mind. And, and before we jump into Deuteronomy 18, and before we look specifically at verses 9 and, and following, I, I want to look at Psalm 18, I mean Psalm 19, verses, verses 7 through 9 first, because I, I want us to understand today the, what we have in the Word of God. I want us to, before we, before we look at how detestable it will be, before we look at the way God speaks strongly against looking or going to other places, I want us to see why that would be so detestable. Why would God say in verse uh, 12, for whoever does these things is detestable to the Lord. Notice he didn't say these things are detestable to the Lord. He says whoever does these things is detestable to the Lord. We have to be careful with these, you know, a lot of times we have these sayings that, that may be not exactly biblical. God hates the sin, loves the sinner and he hates the sin. That's not what this says. It says the person, the sin, detestable. Detestable. 
Why? Why would God speak so strongly against it? It's because we have His Word. It's because everything that we need is found in the Word. It's because God has given us a more than sufficient Word. And that's what I want us to see before we jump in to Deuteronomy 18. So you have on your handout there some characteristics of the Word of God. And they are found, these are easy pickings. You don't need a seminary degree for this one. You don't need to, you, these are right here starting in verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect. Right there on your handout, God's word is perfect. It's perfect. This, the word there, it means complete. That, that is why we have in, in Revelation 22, verses 18 and 19, what we see there. And, and, and John speaks very strongly. He says, I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. Listen, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city which, was writ which are written in this book. God's word is perfect. This is exactly the word that God wanted us to have. Nothing more, nothing less. And he says if you try to edit it, if you try to add to it, if you take away from it, Strong consequences. 2 Timothy 3.16, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thorough, adequate, equipped for every good work. God's Word does that. 2 Peter 1.3, uh, Seeing that His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through the what? Through the knowledge of His Word. The Word is perfect. Everything we need for life and godliness has been given to us in the Word. This, this is God's operating manual. This is how life is to be experienced to a maximum. This is how, right here, this is how God's people are to represent Him. It's complete. It's perfect. And the effects of that in Psalm 19, verse 7, it says this, It restores the soul. On your handout, skip down to the effects of the word. It restores the soul. That word restores literally means revives. It means transform. It gives life. Our English words such as soul and spirit and self and person, are, those are all translations of that word, the Hebrew word that is used there. It points to the inner person. Literally what he's saying is that God's word alone has the power to give life to the dead. When, 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 when your child is diagnosed with cancer, and when the doctors give you these diagnoses, guess what? This word alone is going to restore the soul. Why? Because it's perfect. It's perfect. It's perfect. The word alone, the word alone has power to give life to the dead. It points to salvation and life after salvation, but also living on a day-to-day -day basis. The word is sufficient. That's why Romans 10 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the what? The word of God. It gives life to the dead. It's perfect. It restores the soul. But not only is it perfect, look at verse 7 of Psalm 19. The testimony of the Lord is sure. God's word is sure. The, the Word of God is God's own self-disclosure. This is not somebody else trying to tell us about God. This is God telling us about Himself. Nobody, John 1, no one had seen God except the only begotten God. He has explained Him. 
God had to reveal himself, and he did it in the word. And this is what he has done. For, he, he has revealed himself. No, we would have known nothing, very little about him had he not revealed himself in the word. God, God doesn't have shortcomings. He doesn't have sin. He doesn't need to cover up anything. He doesn't need to himself, make himself look different than he is. He's that awesome. The, the, the word will be, he, he's immutable. He doesn't change. He's perfect. Perfection doesn't need to change. There's nothing about him that, that's going to change. He doesn't need to hide anything. He does, nothing gets revealed to him. There's not going to be new information where he says, you know what, I, I didn't, wasn't thinking about that. I, no, no, it's sure. This tells us that God's word can be counted on. It can be totally leaned upon forever. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. It's sure. That's why we can trust it in Psalm 119 as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, because it's sure. And because of that, look at what it does. It makes wise the simple. It makes the simple wise. Because God's word is truth, it makes us wise. The, the word here, again, it points to an open door. Literally, it's, it's an open door. And, and think about what a, what a door does. A door keeps certain things out. And it lets certain things in. That's exactly what the Word of God does. It tells us, this is what you take in, and this is what you keep out. This is what you do, this is what you don't do. The Word of God in, in Corinthians says, taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Every single thought, every action, everything about our life. You know what we filter it through? The Word of God. We take it captive to the Word of God. And when we start thinking thoughts, we say, does that line up with what the Word of God says about me or this or that? If it does, okay. If it doesn't, you throw it away because it's of the enemy. And Satan wants to, Satan wants to attack and, and get us thinking impure thoughts. That's why Psalm 4 says, whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is good repute, all, think on these things. Why? Because the battle's in the mind. And the Word of God makes wise the simple. It provides discernment. It helps us live wisely. I mean, we have, we have all these books out there, uh, computers for dummies, football for dummies, Spanish for dummies. You know what they do? They try to take ignorance and replace it with some wisdom. God's Word is, is God for dummies, if you will. You want to know what God is like? Here He is. He's revealed Himself. You know what He demands of us? He's told us. You know what He desires for us? He's told us. You want, to know, you want to know about sin? He's told us. You want to know how to deal with your sin? He's told us. Jesus Christ alone. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That's what God's Word does. It makes wise the simple. Why? Because it's sure it can be relied upon. Verse 8, the precepts, not only, not only is it perfect and is it sure, the precepts of the Lord are right. The word here means Reliable. The idea here, it, 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 it means it's literally, it's setting a right path. Setting a right path. Again, that's exactly what John 14, 6 says. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He is the way, the truth, and the life. That is the point here. God's word is sure, and it sets the right path. And again, verse 8, the, the effect of that is that it rejoices the heart. It rejoices the heart. The effect of being on the right path is joy. Excuse me. 
still battling the, uh, the effects there. Has anyone here ever been lost? You ever been lost? I, I remember in, in, in the confession, good for the soul, bad for the reputation. As your leader, I, I thought I might not should share this, but I will. I, I, led a, I was voluntarily, I led a, a youth group in, in Tallahassee at a church. And uh, one summer, we were going to take the, the, the youth on a missions trip up to North Carolina and, and spend a week uh, on a, on a, um, in, a, in an area there with some uh, tribes, and, and, and they were doing some ministry to them. And so we set on a path. Now, I, now I'm, I'm getting old. I feel older every day. But this was even before Garmin, before your phones, before all. You had to have a map. Like, I think you could do a map quest at that time. That was about all they had. And, and map quest oftentimes is really map guess. I mean, if you work for map quest, forgive me, but that's like you're taking your life in your own hands sometimes when you trust map quest. Forgive me if I've already offended you. So, uh, but uh, if, you're, if your dad started that company or whatever, forgive me. But it, 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 so we're driving along, and, and you've ever been going somewhere and you realize that's just an awful feeling when you realize I'm not on the right path. Like, I'm lost. I, I'm looking at MapQuest, and I'm thinking, yeah, ain't nothing about what it says here is matching. The question becomes this, what do you do? What do you do? Do you admit it? Do you turn back and waste all that time and, and go back? What, what, or do you just keep plowing ahead? Well, here's the beauty. In this situation, I only, only I knew I was lost. And I'm like, there ain't no way I'm turning back. And there ain't no way I'm admitting to all these other people. I'm just going to keep trucking on. Now, that's not wise. That's not good, especially when you got about 15 of people's children in the car with you. Who knows where we're heading? But I remember, I still to this day, I remember up in the horizon, I see a sign. And I start to make out the sign, and it is the sign that says literally one mile, the interstate that we were supposed to be on, that we were eventually, was, was one mile ahead. Think about what flooded my mind and my emotions when I saw that sign. We were about, exactly, we were about to get back on the right path. And even better yet, nobody ever knew we were lost. <laughs> to their record, to as best as they know, there was never a doubt in my mind. Now, there was about 40 minutes where I literally had, I was panicked. Because I was lost. I was a wreck. But guess what? When I saw that sign, I knew I was getting back on the right path. It rejoiced my heart. See, that's what God's Word does. We're, we're lost in our sin and, and the foolishness and the folly of this world. And then we come to this Word and it puts us back on the right path. It gives us wisdom. It gives us surety. It gives us a, a truths that we can rely on, that we can count on. Joy, joy is found in obedience to this Word. It's found in following this word. That, that's what the word does. Look, look, at, look at 2 Corinthians 1.12 with me just for a second. 2 Corinthians 1.12, he says, for our, for our proud confidence is this, Paul writes, the testimony of our conscience that in holiness and godly sincerity, not in fleshly wisdom, but in the grace of God, we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially towards you. What you don't know is Paul is writing that he's been maligned, he's been ripped to shreds, he's had his ministry lied about, his life has been lied about and trashed, and here was his response. I know I'm clean. Paul could lay down his head at night because he says this, I have followed the word of the Lord. I'm clean. 
It rejoiced his heart. It wasn't in the circumstance. It wasn't in all the lies. It was in the what? The fact that I have followed the word of God. It rejoiced his heart. That's where we want to live. That's where we want to live. And the word of God is right and it rejoices the heart. Not only that, the commandment of the Lord is pure. It's pure. God's word is pure. The word there means clear. There there are some that will deny the authority of Scripture. Or rather, there are some that won't deny the authority of Scripture. They they won't deny the doctrine. But but they they try to get out of it by saying, well, it's not clear. Can't, Can't understand it. But that's not what the Word of God says. The Word of God says it's pure, that it's clear, that God has given us the Holy Spirit so that we can understand it and study it. Think about it. Why would God give us this Word if it wasn't clear? Why would God give us these and and then confound us and not allow us to understand them? That doesn't make sense. That's fruitless. It would be more frustrating than, than not having it. But the commandment of the Lord is pure. It's clear. It can be understood. And look at the fruit of it. It enlightens the eyes. The effect of the word of God being pure is that it enlightens the eyes. Again, a church, you know, that is what God's word does. It provides wisdom. It provides clarity. It does all these things. It provides. 1 Corinthians 2 says it revives our soul. Hebrews 11.1 1 says that even though we cannot see, we can have faith. We can trust it. That without faith, it's impossible to please God. Romans 15.4 says whatever was written in previous times was written for our instruction so that we would have hope and confidence. God's Word does that. God's Word does that. It, we can trust it. It enlightens the eyes. But, but not only that, God... the God, it says it's, it's clear, the fear of the Lord is clean. It's clean. That, that word there means without error. God's word doesn't need any revisions. There's no additions. There's no new, new, new additions coming out. It's flawless. We, we must maintain a high view of Scripture because it is without error. Jesus himself testified that in... Uh, sure, in Matthew 5, 17 and 18, he says, Not a single jot or tittle will pass away until everything is fulfilled. Thanks, Clay. We can, have, we can trust it. Here's why it doesn't pass away. Because, it, because it's true. Because it's clean. Jesus staked his own integrity on the word of God and the authority of it. The effect of that is that it endures forever. Hebrews 4, verses 12 and 13, talks about the the word is sharper than a double-edged sword, able to pierce both joint and marrow. It says, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrows, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Here's the beauty of the word of God. Any culture, any time, at any time, anywhere, can go to the word of God, and it's true. It's good for them. Any culture, no matter where you are, no matter what time you are, you can go to the Word of God and you can rely upon it. It will always be relevant. We don't need to make it relevant. We don't need to make it cool. It will always be relevant. Why? Because it's true and it's sure and it's clean. The same truths that that God gave Abraham about himself are true today. It will always be good. 
Whatever you're dealing with, wherever you are, whatever you're facing, God's word speaks to it. Why? Because it's living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword. It endures forever. That is the result. If you look on Hebrews 4, it goes on to say the word endures forever. You can hold fast to your confession no matter what. It's clean. It endures forever. But not only that, the judgments of the Lord are true. The judgments are true. And this is what everything boils down to. We, we live in a culture that lacks truth. We, we don't know what we can and what we can't believe oftentimes if left to ourselves. Truth and error are all mixed up. They're, they're, they're all worked in together. It's hard to tell. And, yet, and we are asked daily to make judgments and opinions on things. And it's all blended. And yet the judgments of the Lord are true. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 3 and 5. Listen to what it says. But to me it is a very small thing that I may be examined by you. For I am conscious of nothing against myself, yet I am not by this acquitted, but the one who examines me is the Lord. Therefore, do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts, and then each man's praise will come to him from God. Listen to me. God knows everything, He sees everything, and He will judge everything rightly. There is nothing about my life. I can hide it from others, but I cannot hide it from God. Even my motives are going to be laid open in front of the Lord, and He will judge rightly. He will judge rightly. When, when God's verdict comes down, He won't be swayed by a convincing argument. It won't be tainted by emotions. It won't be the result of a bribe or, or favoritism. There will be no loopholes. There will be no technicalities. It will be true. It will be true. And His judgments will be based on truth. The effects of that, listen to me, it says they are righteous altogether. It produces complete righteousness. And, and that is the gospel. 2 Corinthians 5 says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God. In Christ, God is not taking good people and saving them. He's taking unrighteous people and giving them righteousness. That's the gospel. And God's word produces that righteousness. It's God's word. It only comes through Christ, and that is the point of the Bible. That was the whole reason God sent Christ, to offer by grace what we could never do on our own. Do you see how wonderful the Word of God is? Do you see how the characteristics of it and the effects of it? Now flip back to Deuteronomy 18. That, 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 I show you that to show you God's Word, that, that God has always made sure His people had His Word. And when you look at Deuteronomy 18, that, that's really what verses 1 through 8 is teaching, that God would provide, He had provided, he would, Moses is about to die. Moses is their guy, he's the one that God has spoken to, had guided him, he's going to die. And they're asking themselves, hey, well, what's going to go on when you're gone? What's it going to be like after you, Moses? <coughs> and he's saying, I'll guide you. I'll still guide you in truth, and I'll do it through priests. I'll do it, I'll do it through the Levites, and you're going to take care of them. You, you can know what is spoken. But look, verse 9 is where I want us to park, and, and this is where it's really uh, applicable to us. 
Verse 15 and following, God says, ultimately, I'll provide a prophet, a perfect prophet. And he's pointing to Jesus Christ there in 15 through 19. That's a sermon of of itself. That's a a forecast of Christ. But look at verse 9. It says, when you enter the land which the Lord your God gives you, you shall not learn to imitate the detestable things of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or daughter pass through the fire, one who uses divination, one who practices witchcraft, or one who interprets omens or a sorcerer, or one who casts a spell or a medium or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. Listen, for whoever does these things is detestable to the Lord. And because of these detestable things, the Lord your God will drive them out before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. For those nations which you dispossess, listen to those who practice witchcraft and to diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do so. Here's the the point. Why did I spend so much time in Psalm 19 just to build to that? Here's the point. When, When we see the sufficiency of not only our great God, but the word of God that he's given us, all the wisdom it provides, all the fruit of it, all the benefit, why would we as His people dare look somebody else? Why would we dare look to these other things that the world offers when we have the Word of God? That's the point. You're looking for something that that God's Word was meant to provide. And God's Word has provided What it boils down to is the sufficiency and our attitude towards the sufficiency of God's Word. That's what he's saying. Look look with me in Isaiah 8, 19. Very convicting passage. And and Isaiah boils it down real easy for us. Brings it to the the bottom shelf. We can can grab this one. Listen listen to what Isaiah says. He says in chapter 8, verse 19, When they say to you, Consult the mediums and the spiritists who whisper and mutter. Look what Moses, look what Isaiah says. Should not a people consult their God? Should they consult the dead on behalf of the living? You know what he's saying? He's like, why would you consult the dead on that? You have the living God who has given you his word. Why would you consult anything else? Why would we need to consult it? Who needs a medium or a witchcraft or a today we would throw in horoscopes, fortune cookies, palm readers? Why, why, Why do we need those things when our great God has spoken? Why? What we need to do is trust trust in God and the word that He's given. Ephesians 5, uh Verses 6 and following, he, he speaks to this. He says, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light of, in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. Listen, for it is disgraceful even to speak of these things. He says you don't even talk about them. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light, for everything that becomes visible is light. Uh, Running to these other things 
is like a child who asks mommy or daddy a question, doesn't like the answer, and so then they go to the other, other parent to try to get a better answer. That's what we're saying to God when we run to other sources for wisdom. When we run to other sources for direction. I, I, we don't like what the Word of God says, and you know what we do? We run to the world, and Isaiah is saying, why? Moses is saying, why? You have a living, true, sure, right, enduring, immutable, unchanging, perfect God who is given the same in His Word. Why? That is why God would say through Moses in verse 12, whoever does these things is detestable to the Lord. You, you would not applaud your child for going, no matter of fact, that's in our household, that's a quick way to get disciplined. It's to go to mommy and daddy and then go to, dad, go to the other and ask the same question. It is not fun in the Basham household when it is revealed that that has taken place. And oftentimes things happen and you're like, I thought I said something to that. And like, Bradley, who told you? Mommy. But I did not say, yeah, all right, let's go. It's on now. It's detestable to the Lord. It's detestable to Chris. And you know what he's saying? The reason is this. God has spoken. And where God has spoken, our response as Christians is simply to believe it. Why? Because we trust the character of the one who gave it. And he's not changing. He is perfect. He is not shifty. There's nothing about him that would cause him to say anything or do anything that would not ultimately be for our good and his glory. And so we simply have to trust it. Trust it. And I'm going to bring this home real quick. Here, 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 here's the, the bottom line take home, and you see them on your handouts. This is why it would be so detestable. Consulting mediums and tea leaves, and I've added some here for our day, and fortune cookies and horoscopes and crystal balls and palmists and any, any other oracles beyond God's word is wrong, is it because it belittles the inadequate revealer of mysteries. It belittles God. To look other places and to seek out other things is a belittlement to our great God. We are telling the world as Christians, we're telling the world our great God is not sufficient. And that belittles him because he is sufficient. It says that God is either unable or that God is unwilling to let me know. It's, it, it, it sends a message that he's tricking us or maybe he lacks power, maybe he lacks goodness. We're sending the message that our God is insufficient. When we take matters into our own hands and we seek out answers in other places, we're telling the world that our God is insufficient. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord. Leave them alone. If He wanted you to know, He would have told you. The reality is this, we'll never get around it. It is without faith, it is impossible to please God. Period. Secondly, secondly, not only does it belittle God, listen, men and women turn to illegitimate sources of guidance because they have rejected God and the sufficiency of His Word. Bottom line, you are rejecting God and you are rejecting the sufficiency of His Word when we run to other places. At the heart of this and in the heart of someone who pursues this rebellion of God is a rejection of the sufficiency of our great God. You go all the way back to Genesis 3. Did God really say? Yes, He did really say, and He really meant it. And that's exactly where Satan wants us to live. 
He can't spoil our relationships. You know what he tries to do? He tries to attack the goodness of our great God, and he does it with lies. If God really loved you, this wouldn't happen. If God really loved you, this wouldn't happen. If God, No, no, no. God does love me, and that still happened, and it proves the sufficiency of his love. That's in the midst of that happening, he loves us. And lastly, lastly, and, and most painful is this. Consulting mediums is like committing adultery against God. It is consulting these other sources, pursuing these other sources, is, is spiritual adultery. Listen to me, Leviticus 20, verse 6. And, and again, they're talking about mediums and spiritists here. I'm talking about it, the application of this for us goes so far beyond just this, guys. To pursue anything, for, to pursue that outside of the Word of God is, is paramount to this. As for the person who turns, Leviticus 26, as for the person who turns to mediums and to spiritists, listen, to play the harlot after them, I will also set my face against that person and will cut him off from among his people. Listen, as, the, as believers, we are the bride of Christ. Jesus Christ is our spouse. He is our husband. He is God's fullest revelation of Himself that we have, and He's totally sufficient. Everything that we need to know and all the power which, which comes to us through His Word, it's found in the Word, it's sufficient. And when we go after other things, when we pursue the world, when we look for worldly wisdom and we look for all these other things, what we're saying to our, to our heavenly spouse is this, you're insufficient. And it is paramount it, when, when a Christian, listen to me, when, a, when we look at our horoscope, when we have our palm read, when we look to things to try to help us tell things that, that God has been silent on, you are treating Jesus Christ the way a husband treats his bride when he seeks things outside of the marriage covenant. You are looking for something outside of a relationship that you are only meant to find inside a relationship. And the reality is you have no relationship outside of Jesus Christ. He says that is adultery. It is rebellion, it belittles God, and it is spiritual adultery to look for things in the world and answers in the world and wisdom in the world that we were meant to find in God's Word. It belittles Him. And it tells the world that our, our, our great Savior is insufficient, that He's weak and that He's puny. Listen, we cannot get around faith. Hebrews 11 makes it very clear. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. The victory that overcomes the world is our faith. The victory that overcomes the, the, the doctor's sentence is faith. The victory that overcomes the loss of a loved one is our faith. The victory that overcomes circumstances and we still pursue and make much of our God is faith. And faith trusts in the sufficiency of this word and nothing else. Faith trusts the sufficiency right here and nothing else. And whatever God has said, we trust it. Faith cleaves to Jesus. It adores Jesus. It trusts Jesus. It touts Jesus as, as all-sufficient and it shuns everything else. And I pray that, that as I was listening, it was very difficult in some ways, for me to worship after listening to Kurt and Karina. And here's why. 
Because I don't ever want to just want to sing those words. I want to believe the words that I'm singing. And I kept saying to myself, how would I, how would I worship with that diagnosis? Would I be able to say the same things? And I pray that I pray that I would be this person that trusts the sufficiency of God and His Word no matter what. And I pray that we as a church would trust the sufficiency of God's Word and nothing else. Look, if, 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 you, if you find yourself sitting here today and you have pursued things outside of the, the, this Word, if you have pursued horoscopes or fortune cookies or palm readers, or if you have pursued wisdom anywhere outside of this Word, repent. Repent. Return to God alone. Get along with God and confess that you haven't trusted Him the way that you ought, that you haven't relied upon Him. the way. Maybe there are some things about this world that the world's view towards something and God's view towards something is different and you find yourself gravitating to the world's view. Repent. And ask God that by His grace you would trust His Word. And start reading His Word. Start trusting His Word today, relying on God's Word today. Repent and return to where your Savior and be restored. Rely totally, lean, lean totally and afresh on this Word alone. Because it's sufficient. We don't need to look anywhere else. We have the Word of God.